Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to a championship uh, edition of the Ninth State Sports Show, Football Edition. My name is Joe Marcellina. Alongside me this week uh, from the New Hampshire Football Report and the union leader, Roger Brown. Roger, thanks for uh, making the trek out here in uh, what has not been great weather again today. Football weather out <laughs> there, for sure. Uh, we're recording this at Riverside Barbecue in downtown Nashua. Uh, you can send us questions for an upcoming show by emailing nhhighschoolsports at gmail.com or on Twitter at nhhsports. Uh, the show's available Wednesday mornings at nh-highschoolsports.com and also on iTunes. And if you are wondering why I would be telling you to send us questions when uh, we are at the week of Thanksgiving, that's because we are going to go one extra week this year uh, completely. W this week we're going to take a look back at the three championship games from Saturday. Uh, probably talk a little bit, uh, get Roger's thoughts on, um, you know, how the season played out this year, what's ahead. And then next week, uh, Coach Lockman will be back with us, and he and I will completely uh, go over what happened this year. So if you were upset that this was going to be the last week, last show of the season, uh, save that for next week. So, oh well. Uh, I don't know. Where you? I guess we should probably start with the Division One game. That's where we usually start. That's where we left off. Where we on left off, yeah. On Saturday, yeah. Um, you know, what was um, – I know I know you and I talked. Um, we are both at the Salem-Pinkerton semifinal uh, the week before. And I think at one point I said to you, uh, and, and feel free to, to, to tell me I didn't because I don't have it written down anywhere. But I think I looked at you and I said, you know, I'd make Bedford a two-touchdown favorite going in against Pinkerton. I believe you did say that, yes. Um and they didn't cover, though, just 14 points. And really, Pickerton didn't really – they earned about seven points in that game, I would right. say. The, and ironically, the, the drive where they thought they earned points or their best drive was the one they didn't get any, you know, where they had the drop pass and, right. and then Toscano the, had the yeah. interception at the goal line. But both of their uh, touchdowns were set up by fumbles and short fields, and they even had a tough time pounding it in then. So And, and you're, I think you're right in that. I mean, it, yes, short, short fields, but they – deserve some credit for getting those you know scoring off of those because you know not a lot of teams have done that against Bedford's defense this year uh, I don't think no I just I guess my larger point is it just wasn't it didn't feel like it was uh, a, a close game for most of the game I would say when Pickerton got the fumble at the second half and scored off of it and made it 14 to 7 I said okay You've got my uh, interest now. How's Bedford going to respond? Right. Yeah. And then, you know, Bedford did respond, but Pinkerton got another turnover and scored. But it was just before that and after that, those exchanges, uh, it was all Bedford, both sides of the ball. The, um, you know, Bedford had, for, uh, or Pinkerton, excuse me, had four turnovers in that game. And, you know, sometimes, you know, turnovers, they, they don't mount to much. Um, I think all four of those were, were killers for, for Pinkerton. As you know, the one you mentioned in the first half, right at the goal line, um, you know the the second one came right before the second Bedford fumble. So they had that series of plays there where Bedford got an interception as Pinkerton was driving, and then Bedford gave him the ball right back. Um, so I guess maybe that one they had the fourth up, and yeah, one. They the fourth big and play one, to stop Bedford fourth and, and one, and then give it, it give it away. That didn't make Coach O'Reilly very happy, the last, clearly. The last one came, um, you know, as they were driving, I think with enough time left that had they been able to make a stop, they could, you know, get a, they score there and get a stop. Maybe maybe they can, you know, get a chance to tie the game, but another interception there. Yeah, and I think I think what one of the things that made it so tough on Pinkerton, you know, kudos to the Bedford defense because that was clearly the, 
you know, the toughest thing they were going against, but they just weren't able to throw the ball with any success. And not that they had to have a, a lot of throwing yards, but they had to loosen up that Bedford defense a little bit, uh, and they couldn't. And I thought, I thought Pinkerton played really good defense for stretches, but Bedford was able to throw it downfield and get them to back off a little bit, and then they got their running game going. So um, I just think they needed more out of the passing game, uh, Pinkerton did, to uh, you know sustain any drives and get more points. And, you know, all week it felt like there was a lot of talk of, um, you know, how's Bedford going to handle, you know, Pinkerton's offense. They haven't seen a team line up in this offense before. And I think just, I mean, I was surprised that no one, you know, made the other side of that is, well, what's Pinkerton going to do against Bedford's defense? Because they haven't seen a defense that good um, you True. Know, all year. And, and you know, pass, I mean, with Pinkerton trying to pass, probably played right into their hands because if they're going after spread quarterbacks all year, quarterbacks are in the shotgun. I mean, what are they going to do? You know, we saw what they did against, uh, uh, you know, three and five step drop. Yeah, the... The team that played the best run defense I saw all year, uh, maybe not throughout the year, but when they were at their best was Winnicott, uh, to me anyways. And I saw Pinkerton shred them in the last game. Now, it didn't mean anything for Winnicott, so, you know, you've got that little asterisk there as well. But that's what made me think, well, Pinkerton may be able to outmuscle Bedford to a certain degree anyways with their running game. And then if they can just throw it a little, you know, and play some defense, they'll have a chance. But... None of that really materialized. You know, it was just – you just had – I don't know. I had to feel it was Bedford the whole way, like I said, uh, until they got the turnover at the beginning of the second half. And even shortly after that, it was it was pretty clear that Bedford was just too strong for them. I mean, it was, it was what, 14 nothing at halftime. And I had forgotten. It could have easily been 21 nothing at halftime if not for I, – I found it in my – I mean, it was in the video that I got. was in the highlight package of um, – you know, Thomas Morgan, on I think on the Bedford's third or fourth drive, had uh, Harrison Lagoulon just wide open down Missed the field him. and just overthrew him by about a step. I mean, he catches that, and I don't think there was anyone within 20 yards of him. Um, he, he walks into the end zone. It's, you know, 21 nothing game at halftime. I, I mean, I think at that point, if that had happened, that game would have been over. Yeah, and it would have been interesting to see, you know, Pinkerton had that drop ball around the five-yard line. Um, early in the game where would have given them some momentum if they could have punched it in. Um, but really, I just think I think Bedford was the better team. And, you know, good effort by Pinkerton, but just too many weapons on the other side. I, I think it's maybe a little tough to kind of I – mean, it's always tough to compare teams across years and all that. But how does this Bedford team kind of stack up, do you think, against the one – the championship team they had two years ago? And even the team, I think – and maybe the team that was better than both of them was the one that didn't win a championship the year before that, that lost to Goffstown in the semifinals. I, I, how do those three teams, you think, stack up? Um, having a hard time really bringing back memories of the one that lost to Goffstown. I know they were very was, solid. I mean, that was still, I mean, you had Connor Robert was a sophomore. Leahy was a junior running back. That's right, yeah. They were a very um, good team that year, yep. Bobby Heald was still there on the on defensive and offensive lines. Um, well, if you lose to Goffstown, though, how good can you really be? <laughs> well, and that was the game, too, that they had the – they got that 14 nothing lead real early on, on two fumbles um, and ended up um, – I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goffstown came back. I, I don't have a good feel for that team, Joe, even though I remember watching them. But I, when I think back to the Bedford team that won it two years ago – I just can't get that 
I just can't get that Merrimack game out of my head. You know, I I still I look at Bedford as state champions, second best team in the state, which is not fair to them because I, they I, played them twice and they beat them yeah, twice. I'd agree with that. But man, you know, if they played tomorrow, I, you know, I know I'd be getting. I feel like going. I know we're way off track here, but looking back on that that game, that Bedford Merrimack semifinal game a couple of years ago, I felt like I could have written a book about that game afterwards because there were so many things that happened in that game so many layers um you know maybe i I don't you know don't necessarily know that there was any of that this year maybe that's what i'm getting there wasn't any uh you know it was a 14 point game but it didn't feel like a 14 point game you know you look at what bedford did all year and they they i don't think it's unfair to say that they went unchallenged um no i you know i think bedford's toughest games probably were their first game and their last game even though the first one i think it was 31 to 7 it was 31 to 7 like that, but it was pretty it was competitive game at halftime and north had two drives north was certainly moving the ball yeah. yeah yeah well there was one that i thought was the td i remember that you you had a photo of yeah. it where he got yeah we got taken stopped down at right one. at the goal line yeah. so but really other than that what was there you know i mean i saw them play central that was just a ridiculous uh one-sided affair um you know, yeah, they you know starters are out at halftime most games for them. Yeah, and I mean I know we could we could sit here and whine and say oh I wish they'd played this team or wish I played that team. I don't. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the way it went. I I mean yeah, it would have been nice to see some closer games for them to see someone else have a chance to challenge them, but I don't want to tinker with what you know too too much with what the way things are set up. No, no, they hey they were the best team. You know they they were probably a little fresher. Um, just because, you know, Pinkerton had the war with – I shouldn't say war, but they had to win at Winnicunit. You know, that's a physical game, if nothing else. Take something out of you. Then the Londonderry, that's a mental and physical uh, game um, for Pinkerton. And then, you know, another physical one in the mud against Salem. They had to be pretty beat up and uh, physically exhausted by the time they played Bedford. But, again, I'm not saying that if they showed up fresh that they would have beat Bedford because, you know, I don't think they would have. But yeah. I mean, Bedford kind of cruised on the other side. You, you know, know, it's it's tough to it's tough to look at, at at Pinkerton and and say, you know, when they come up short of a, a championship to say that they had a great year. Because um, I I mean I feel like I do look at them and 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 the way they finished the year, I think that was a great performance for them. You oh know, yeah. I, I mean we expected them to be at this point at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, but then to look at, at you know having to go on the you mentioned those three games on the road, uh, you know in conditions that were not ideal for the last two, um, and you know and to perform the way that they did, you know I, I I thought it was pretty impressive. Yeah, their backs were against the wall. They played some of their best football. Um, even the regular season, you know, uh, that was a tough tough uh, conference. You know, um, I mean you you could argue that Wyndham was the fifth best team in the, in Division One this year. Yeah, I had them. I certainly put them in the power pole. You know, I, I put them, uh, you know, near the back end. I can't remember exactly which spot. I'd have to go back and check. But, um, you know, they beat number two Pinkerton, number five Salem, both on the road. So, you know, that's, yeah. that tells me something right there. You, you know? know, and they they were they were in that game against Winnicott to start the year. Uh, they were Hexeter's always a handful. They uh, lost yeah. to them. That and was then the Londonderry game. Um, you know they got down big in the first half, pretty much on special bad special teams plays, and then nearly you know they they put a scare into Londonderry I think in the second half of that game. Had that game been another quarter long, 
um, you know, maybe it turns out differently. Yeah, and I didn't see Wyndham in the second half of the season, but they, they struck me just by looking at the scores and whatever research, you know, I did as one of those teams that did improve because I saw them in the opener and they looked they looked like a team, or well, both of them, both in Wyndham and Wyndham kind of looked like a team that could use another week of practice. Um, but that's a whole other subject. <laughs> but everybody, everybody except Bedford looked like that for the first right, couple of right. weeks. Uh, you know, I, I think, I think, and and I, I feel like I asked Bill Raycraft this after that Londonderry game was, you know, you talk about the kids having to adjust to Division One, but did the coaches have to adjust to it to a certain degree too, because they're used to doing things a certain way in Division Two, you know, where maybe the games are out of hand at halftime and you're not. You know, you're just kind of, you know, calling plays the same play over and over or something. You know, some, you're not as crisp, I guess, used to having to, to, to coach like that. Yeah, like, the thing that comes to mind for me with Wyndham is I don't – and maybe they did do this a lot, but I know th- they onside kicked a lot in D2. I don't know if they did it as much in D1, maybe not against the better opponents. I, it would make me think twice because – if you're playing an Exeter or, you know, a Londonderry, Pinkerton, whomever is really good, you know, you don't want to give them the ball at midfield or even risk giving the ball at midfield. That could be the difference in the game. Whereas if you're playing a D2 team that you've handled or, you know, let's face it, they handled most of the teams they played at that level, um, you can take some risks, go for it on fourth down, maybe in your own territory or an onside kick and get away with it more often than, um, than you could in the – schedule it was kind of a gauntlet they had to face this year in their conference i thought you know yeah. so that, yeah. that'd be the one thing where coaching adjustment that would come to my mind um you know talking about adjusting to d1 uh of course next year assuming there are no major changes uh don't assume uh, joe yeah. <laughs> uh, well for, for this for, for our They're purposes coming. right now i i i'm uh, i'm gonna assume that <coughs> um next year would be what the north and south playing each other in east and west i believe um sounds right yeah so that would i mean i don't know who who off the top of your head looks like they could be a team that's you know playing at unh from division one next year because i mean it feels like there's a ton of ton of seniors graduating this year yeah we were talking about the quarterbacks there's not just division one but statewide senior quarterbacks are everywhere Mm -hmm. um well you know i I always feel like Salem is a safe pick because every year they're always two or three losses tops or if not better, you know. Um, you know, originally I thought Bedford, this would be their last year, but they've got enough pieces coming back to be good again. Um, I don't know what Nashua North has around Curtis Harris, yeah, but say that. I, they have, a they have of, much. They have a, had a couple of like sophomores and freshmen who I think were pretty good. But I don't know about line. Um, their line might be kind of young. I know they got a couple of senior linemen, but outside of that, they might have a lot of a pretty good line back. And, and I'm sure Pinkerton will be good. You know, they got uh, and they got a couple of transfer linebackers in this year. I think one of them at least was a junior. I believe. I think you're right Clark, about that. Yeah. I think. Um, I think the challenge there from talking to Brian O'Reilly is finding a quarterback for next year, uh, which he's got a lot. A lot of kids to choose from, so <laughs> there's got to be one kid that tur- can turn around and hand the ball off. Yeah, right, right. Thirty times a game. Um, and you know the other safe pick uh, is Exeter. They were young this year. They were injured, um, and putting aside those things, they probably weren't as good as they typically were to begin w- or typically are to begin with. But um, 
you know, they lost one kid, Zach Tucker, uh, probably maybe their best two-way player, you know, and not having him for the year, he'll be back. So it's a good starting point right there. I wonder about um, – I know they lose a lot, but Merrimack has – you talk about quarterbacks coming back. James Dowling's a, a junior. Um, I think they had a couple other – I know they, they had some key seniors in that group, but um, I feel like there were a couple of juniors mixed in there too that uh, – and they seem to, to be getting – better numbers as the year you know as they've kind of taken root kip jackson and that that program has taken root yeah kip's clearly clearly doing a good job over there that was one of the teams um i was most impressed with this year to be honest with you because i didn't really know or expect much from them and they looked okay when i saw them early in the year but they were playing memorial and then you know they had a very athletic defense and i was surprised by their bedford scores but now you know taking a look at what Bedford did late in the season and getting an up-close look at them Saturday, they were just too strong, you know. That was more a reflection, I think, of Bedford than it was Merrimack. Um, but, yeah, you know, I guess i got to go over the rosters a little more thoroughly to, to think of the juniors um, who, who were coming back or at least the underclassmen who were coming back. But I don't see – I don't think there at least there's that dominant team out there that there sometimes is, you know. Like this year. Well, and, and you know, to be fair um, – Probably people smarter than me would have picked Bedford, but I thought Pinkerton was the team, especially when they got the transfers in, you know, at the start of the year. I think my prediction of the preseason was Pinkerton and Central in the championship game. So, I mean, I got half of it right. Yeah, Central (laughs) didn't get there, did they? (laughs) No. Um, So I'm going to – let's transition to to D2 with this question. I think I might have asked you this on Saturday. Um, I'm picking Plymouth next year. (laughs) Would Alvern have been a playoff team in Division One this year? Yeah, I've I've, I've given that some thought. Because um, obviously they're not playing; they're playing in you know with Bedford and Goffstown, North, South, uh, BG, Keene. And and I hate to call you know straddle on this one, but I I didn't get to see Goffstown this year, so I guess my response would be if you think they were better than Goffstown, yes, but I can't tell you that they were or they I, weren't i don't know i mean i, I get the, uh, the only time i saw alvern was saturday so and I'm, i was i was very yeah, impressed i with was alvern. too yeah um now there's a team i know they got the quarterback back next year i think they've got a lot back i don't think they they maybe lose a handful of kids yeah so i know there was one d2 coach that said to me during the playoffs that um if they don't win a championship next year then something's wrong like well they, there you they, go they, they you did know? something wrong yeah well the quarterback is just from what I've seen, it's such a good run pass threat. Um, that's a great starting point, you know. Um, he, even if you don't have big guys up front, uh, he can make up for a lot of that with his athletic ability. But And he's, I mean, he's a tough kid, too. I mean, he's a, wrestler, right. a nationally known wrestler. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, that toughness is, is huge. I mean, if, if because then if you don't have the line and you take a beating, you know, then... Yeah, he's yeah, well. He I guess can, he was he beat up, up Saturday, right? Yeah. According to uh, Tarek, um, played three quarters with after taking a right. big he shot. Right, in the yeah. f- you know, yeah. said he was throwing up all all game and whatnot. So, um, yeah, you know that'll be uh, that'll be interesting. But yeah, you expect Alvin to be in the mix. I, I guess I would. You know, I just I just can't say without seeing Goffstown. I don't know. They would have been certainly in the conversation, and I bet you they would have been. Um, playing for something probably the last week of the regular season to get in or, or not, you know. But I think they'd be close, if not in, for sure. I was very impressed with them. 
with that game, um, I, I can't, you know, in hindsight, um, you know, I was trying to pick a moment in that first half that, that surprised me most. And I don't know if I can look at just one. I think the whole first half kind of surprised me, you know, from Plymouth turning the ball over on the opening kickoff to Alvern going right down the field on him um, a couple times. I, I, you know, and having the lead going in at halftime, I, I was, I was kind of stunned. Yeah, I, I remember uh, Chris Sanborn told me uh, prior to the game, you know, most of the Alvern kids, or at least a lot of them, were starters two years ago or last season, I guess, when they played D1 and, you know, different different speed the D1 game has for the most part and whatnot. And that's what stood out to me in the first half was it looked to me like Plymouth wasn't used to playing against this type of athlete with this type of speed because Alvern was getting big plays and, you know, getting to the outside on offense without too much trouble and uh credit to Plymouth because they you know second half was a lot different defensively I wonder you know comparing comparatively the week before Plymouth played a Sauhegan team that's kind of similar in terms of style offense you know playmaking ability from the quarterback position uh you know and they had their kind of had their way with Sauhegan I mean it got it was a close game in the first half they ended up breaking it open um, and then maybe that's just the difference. You mentioned Alvin playing at a different speed or, or having experience playing at that different speed, and it just took Plymouth a little bit longer to adjust to that. Uh, you know, that they needed a halftime to get whipped into shape. and you know, Yeah, they, and maybe it was just missed assignments or whatnot or guys out of position, but it just looked like Alvin's speed slash athletic ability was was too much for Plymouth on a lot of plays in that first half. Um and of course, you know, credit to Alvin too. They didn't leave any, uh, any, any of their plays in the playbook. They, you know, they tossed <laughs> all the trick stuff at them, and and it worked. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. they they came to win and uh, um, played hard. And like like we both said earlier, it was came away very impressed with them, even though they, you know, double digit loss. So, yeah. um, I you know the the I think the key though key play if you you know. That punt, block punt, and to start the second half. Sure. I mean, it yep. just seemed that that the game completely that set the tone for Plymouth. Yeah. yeah, Alvin needed that type of play to just kind of keep the momentum on their side, and they didn't get it. Well, I wonder too. You know, if if Alvin gets that punt off, let's say they, you know, they pin Pinkard or excuse me, Plymouth um, at their thirty. Let's they're starting from there, and they have to go on another long drive. I mean, you know, maybe they score, maybe Alvin stops them. Um, you know, what kind of game is it after that? It's certainly much tougher. Uh, situation for Plymouth, you yeah. know, at the very least, unless they run the kickback somehow. Um, but maybe Alvin gets a turnover. Who knows, you know. Um, but they needed a big play early, and they got it, you know, and that's that's what Plymouth does. You know, they, they're used to making those big plays when they need them, I guess. You know, and the um, the guy for Plymouth that really – I guess this is – you know, maybe maybe this isn't uh, quite the, uh, you know, the observation that, that it, it's going to sound like. Um, but I thought Owen Brickley was – I mean, I hadn't seen him yet this year. And, um, I mean, he looked as advertised. I mean, yeah. you, you know, you think of Plymouth running backs, and I think of guys like, you know, Garrett Maycomber, who are kind of big bulldozer-type running backs who have a little bit of speed to them. And Brickley's more of that kind of like, yeah, he could run in between the tackles, but he got a lot of handoffs coming around the end and, and going outside, and he's a shifty kid. Yeah, tough but elusive and yeah, slippery yeah. and looks like a very, very good athlete. Um, yeah, you could plug him into any team in the state and he'd be a huge addition, clearly. Um, 
that's the one thing about Plymouth that I came away with most impressed with on their side was was Brickley. You know, I mean, he had a huge postseason. Um, what I don't even know how eight TDs more something like that in the that three sounds, games that probably sounds about right. I I, I mean I think he had just under six hundred yards it, yeah, going into the championship game in the two previous playoff games. So, so he was probably close to about seven fifty. Yeah, almost eight hundred. I mean, can you three That's playoff ridiculous. games and he was you know. <laughs> Within uh, shouting distance of a thousand yards, you yeah. know, and those are good teams. You know, we talk about Plymouth schedule, but those are all playoff games. You know, and, and, and well, they they played Alvern, Hanover, and and Sauhegan in the playoffs. Yeah, and, and Hanover, you know, I know they beat them, but if if nothing else, they come to play defense. You yeah. know, so they weren't getting easy yards that night for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think of somebody else in in D2 next year. Um, I mean, because we're back. I mean, we looked at I think Plymouth at the end of last year and said, "So he will be good." Gonna, I think. Yeah. Well, they they replaced their quarterback. Um, right. Everybody, pretty much yeah. everybody does. It seems like, um, except for Mil- Alvin. Milford's got, um, I believe, another year with Gavin Erda, and a couple other nice juniors are, are back. I believe. What about uh, the Cavaliers? Is the, are um, the brothers the same year? Uh, they are both juniors. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're going to both mean be that seniors stick at, around Hollis Brookline. At, at Hollis Brookline. Um, you know, but they uh, they they would obviously be have to be in the conversation if right. those two came back. I would um, think they've got to get a you know they've got to work on that on defense though. Um, they were and Sauhegan to a degree too. I think you know just both you know I think you mentioned it to me too at one point that they look like teams that just wanted to get up and score and then yeah, get the I ball d- back as soon as they could. That's that's what I saw. I saw Hollis Brookline play Sauhegan and that's it looked like the Monday night game. You know, was it Monday night? Yeah, yeah, this past the, Monday. Yeah, yeah. Um, just. You know, Hollis Brooklyn. I don't. Maybe they do this a lot, but they were going for it on fourth down, regardless of distance and field position. You know, it was just all about offense. It looked like to me that night. Um, I only saw them play Conval this year, which probably wasn't a good barometer yeah. of, uh, of what kind of team they were. Either, either one. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you so know, what's what? Um, you know, the other team that's kind of been here the last couple of years, um, St. Thomas, they lose a ton, don't they, uh, from this team? I, you know, I, yes, but I would have thought that they would have dropped off more this year than they did. So, you know, being a private school, who knows where the kids are coming from and who you might have, and I'm not criticizing for that. It just that's, that's a fact. Um, but every year they seem to be top four, you know, yeah. for sure, if not higher. So, you know, they, they do have to replace their quarterback as well, who was a big piece of it. But um, they always seem to have athletes over there and, you know, do a good job. Um, even with the coaching change, they haven't really skipped a beat the last couple of years. Yeah. So I would expect them to be in the mix as well. And then I, I think the other team that's probably needs to be mentioned is Bo. I mean, they're regardless of what they have coming back, um, especially if the North is down like it was this year. You know they're going to pick up a couple wins there, but I, th- I mean they've been way better than I expect them to be moving up from D three. Oh yeah, no question. And I, I remember talking to them, some of their coaches in the summer at a seven on seven event, and I'm pretty sure they were telling me, you know, this was a, a heavy junior laden team this year, so that speaks f- well for what they might be able to do next season. Uh, you know, in the final game, or was actually the first game on Saturday, the D three game between Campbell and Monadnock. Um, I know you were I, – I didn't really talk to you during that game because I was down on the sidelines. You were up, upstairs in the press box. Uh, but I know the feeling amongst us watching it on the sideline was, is this really happening? <laughs> I mean, and not just 
that it was close, uh, much closer than we all expected. The game was played within like a 20-yard span of the field for almost the entire first half. Yeah, it was like a little box. They didn't we, even didn't move, we didn't move from where we were standing on the sideline. And, and they didn't even run to the sideline. It was no. in between the numbers yeah. for 20 yards, it seemed like. Um, yeah, it looked to me like Campbell, you know, obviously Monadnock's defense is ultra, ultra aggressive. Uh, that's why they got so, held so many teams to negative yards. And Campbell popped a couple against them, um, you know, which is the risk you take when you play that type of defense. But um, not a lot of offense, but, you know, I – you just the 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 play that I think made the difference in that game was the touchdown pass that Manadnock got right before the half. It just probably sent him into halftime thinking, "All right, we're back on track. It's within you know one score, and we you know we're back in the lead." And although Campbell didn't give it up easily, yeah. um, that was one of the things I most impressed with coming away from that Saturday was Campbell's defense. Now Manadnock played fantastic too, but. You know, Campbell was shorthanded without Mills, and they're playing this powerhouse of an offense. And, I mean, you talk about leaving it all on the field. You know, kudos to that Campbell defense. They did everything they could to to uh, help them their team win. I will say I, I understand, you know, missing your best player. Um, and you mentioned them busting a couple of plays outside. I almost wanted to see them do that more. I mean, I know I know you can't go to that, that too often. And then, it, you know, until it doesn't – it's not effective. But – I think they ran maybe three plays to the outside, and two of them went for touchdowns. Um, I, you know, I would have. It almost felt like that second half, especially the fourth quarter, they were almost playing to let Manadnock lose that game, and, and, and like they were just waiting Too for Manadnock to make just more mistakes. Yeah, and, and it could be. I, I think they had something like eighteen yards in the second half, or something, something like crazy that. like yeah, that. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, um, you know, Sweeney had a gr- had great numbers and he had the two long touchdown runs i mean but if you look at his stat line it looks like he oh, most know, of was it a, most of it was in the first half was for in, sure right but and it looked like he was you know just churning them out like you know three yards in a cloud of dust kind yeah, of thing it was but more like one yard one yard yeah. 77 yards yeah. whatever um yeah the, you know they certainly if they could have got a few more first downs t- took some more time off the clock that would have been a big help but um you know, Manadnock was just really, really tough defensively. I don't know. Maybe they tried some things that just weren't working. Um, you know, even last year when they beat them, they didn't really spread them out until the very last possession. Right. Yeah. You know, they stuck with yeah. what they do. So, um, or maybe they felt lim- somewhat limited without Keegan. You know, I don't know. I don't know what the offensive game plan going in was, but sometimes when you're not expecting it and you. J- jump out to that two touchdown lead it's okay now we got to protect it because the game's ours where you just got to keep playing like yeah. it's zero zero yeah but good game you know good game not not stylistically not maybe eye pleasing to a lot of fans but i mean you can't ask for much more than a you know tie game with one second oh, left you game, know game winning field goal yeah, yeah yeah great ending you name it yeah mm-hmm. um interesting um some Calls that you don't see all the time that I could hear were confusing some parents in the stands. Uh, like the one that comes to mind is the kick catch interference. Um, the guy doesn't have to call for a fair catch. You still have to let him catch the ball uh, before you hit him. Yeah, uh, you got to go for the ball. Yeah. Otherwise, well, the thing yeah. on that one was I I didn't see the play very well. Um, I didn't I didn't see it at all. But I I mean a lot I, of people think you can go get the ball on a onside kick before it hits the ground but you can't you know it's got to hit the ground at least once i've seen people like pooch kick it and their 
the kid on the wing or outside grabs it and goes and it's you know you call it back and talk about confused parents you know but um so you know and and i will say the monadnock kid had one onside kick that was about as textbook of an onside kick as you as you could do. Oh yeah, he just plopped it right down the sideline there, and it was one hop right into his kid's what hands. Was gr- what it was even better was the official on that side when he spotted the ball, he had his flag in his hand. Like, I, and I I wondered, were they that close to the sideline? That because I think that's why Campbell let it go, was that the kid thought it was going out of bounds. He oh. didn't realize the other how close the other kid was. The kid just and ran in front it, of him and was and the official. It. Ready to throw his flag, probably it's going to go out of bounds. Probably, yeah. I mean, yeah. We were on. I was on the other side of the field, and it it just looked like a, you know, you couldn't have planned it any better. No, no. You know, placing the kid there and the one hop into his hands, and And I thought that was going to be the end of the game too, because that was the opening kickoff for the second half. And and then Campbell's defense came up and made a stop. Made they? I think they went four and out on that. Manadnock went four and out. Yeah, Manadnock had a real tough time moving the ball, especially. uh, I think they were like, zero for seven. On, on their first uh, seven fourth down they attempts. Yeah, they didn't have a first down in the first quarter. Yeah. yeah. Well, they couldn't hang on to the ball either. No, that, you know, yeah, they, that they too. Turning yeah. it over. So but of those two, um, I'd say probably Campbell has the better chance of getting back there next year. Right? Yes, I mean, I, I, would I agree. say that I say that you know, realizing what Monadnock has done the last three years. You know, having lost two games in three years, not in the regular season, but they, I mean, they were loaded with seniors. Yeah, this, year. this was their group. Yeah. You know, they lose the quarterbacks, Santaw, Matson, top two running backs, Hart. Um, not sure about the Blodgett kid. I was very impressed with him. He was a small yeah. guy, but he was a pit bull at middle linebacker for them. Um, even the kicker, even he's a senior. Right, right. Um, yeah, Campbell. I mean, Vedrani's coming back for Campbell. Vedrani's right? is, is a junior. Mills, Mills coming is a back. Junior. I mean, those two kids Sweeney, alone. I believe Sweeney's a junior too. They got, they got yeah. plenty to build around yeah. there. Um, although, you know, just quickly. Uh, um, that Hopkinton team, I don't know what they have coming back, but I, I got to see them at the end of the year, and they—I'm not saying they had the you know the talent of a lot of other teams, but they played some good football. They were a very sound team. Um, they not, could be a factor. Not positive on the, on the quarterback. Kid. Quiet is a, is a junior, um, so he'll he would be back another year. Yeah, it's a fantastic lacrosse player too. Yeah, um, he looks like a good athlete. Yeah, um, I'm not sure on the quarterback. They is it Yanakopoulos? Yep. I'm not sure if he's a junior or senior. Um, kind of a, a tough one to remember because when you have those brothers that are so close together, you know, his older brother was on that team too. It was on a couple of years ago, was on the lacrosse team. So I feel like one of those kids has been there for like five years now. It's, right, right, yeah. yeah. They didn't really skip a beat. There was always one of them yeah. in the lineup. Yeah. I, and you wonder maybe, um, similar to Alvern, maybe their success brings out a few more players next year too. Who knows, you know, yeah. like uh, – was it the Bertrand, Bertrand kid for Auburn? Auburn was a soccer yep. player. Yeah. Decided, I mean, y- you know, you get one good athlete that switches sports like that or comes out having not played football before. It can be a huge uh, impact on your program. So, um, and I, I, D3 is going to be good next year. Lebanon will be good. Trinity Trinity will be good. Um, you know, that'll be a very competitive division, I, I think. S- Stevens and Summersworth always seem to be somewhere in there sure. every yeah. year. Um you don't yeah, want to play Stevens in the postseason, that's, that's for sure. Yeah. You know, <laughs> oh, unless you're Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, that should be that should be a good division. That's you know. So what? Um, obviously, we're in the middle of the two-year cycle, um, so there's not going to. I would assume there's not going to be major changes. Um, but what's what's maybe something that you would like to see them take a look at? Um. 
Well, my big, you know, my biggest pet peeve is not really with the divisions or how they're aligned, but it's that, you know, conference champion, you know, automatically gets a home game, yeah. automatically gets in. I, you know, I just want the, I want Division One to be. I think I told you this last year at this time, two ten-team uh, divisions, at least when it comes to seating or yeah, seating. You know, you can still do the five and five and rotate them every year if you want, but. You know, out of those ten teams, whoever you're crossing over with, you got to take the four with the best record. Um, so I won't. I've written and talked about that plenty. So moving past that, I'd like probably to see. You know, I, I would like to see some of the better D three teams move up and allow some of the struggling D two programs to go down to D three. I think that would make it uh, better across the board. Uh, in both divisions. Um, now, the problem is, enrollment-wise, some of those D3 schools, you know, don't belong in D2, but, you know, I have, like, Monadnock, for example, and, and maybe they're a poor choice because they're the best, but, you know, they were in Division Two prior, and they were a successful Division Two yeah. team. Um, and I, I have no problem with Campbell in Division Two this year, you know, quitting themselves very well they would have um, I'm sure they would have been a playoff team so th there are those D3 teams that can move up and, and um, I've, I've almost come to the point where I want to not just throw enrollment out the window but maybe maybe factor in you know um, just com programs competitive level and use that and maybe not force them up but maybe urge them up I don't know I was thinking I mean to, to make it you know, I mean, you could say, oh, we'll go back and look this many years. But I, I almost feel like that's not entirely fair because kids graduate. Every, f you yep. know, four years you've got a complete turnover. I was thinking maybe th every three years. Like, if you go back and look, like, like you would be doing it planning for 2020, the 2020 season now. And you would look at what did you do in your, the, the previous two years of this, the previous cycle and then this year. What what was your record there, and then that would kind of gauge where you go in the next cycle. And one thing I would definitely like to see is not so many changes. Like we always talk about change, but it's I'd like them to I'd like them yeah, to just sit with something like out. like D one. They've pretty much left it alone, pretty much. They've tweaked it, and for the for the right reasons, I think. And it's been fine. And now they're trying to change it again. You know. Um, you know that's a whole other subject. What what what's been proposed? But I just think they need to to come up with a plan and let it play out for a few years. You know, um, you know we were always going from three divisions to four divisions to five divisions back to three. Just you know, stick with it. You know, we don't we overreact. I think to what happens in football and, and demand changes Un where we don't do that in other unlike sports. Unlike any other sport. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of mind-numbing yeah it really is i mean it gets examined and scrutinized more and that can be good but it also leads to all these you know some of these crazy ideas um yeah and you know again look at division one they they you know i personally like a, the people say spalding should go down but why they have a history of winning in football not recently but they were one of the best programs in the state for many many years their their enrollment puts them in in D1, they win in other boys' sports, you know, basketball, um, baseball, they've baseball, been good at hockey, times, whatever. Yeah. Um, I just think they just need to get it fixed, and they've made 
you know, they went in like whatever, 10 years or what it was with tons of coaching turnover. Now they have the AD, Kevin Hebert coaching, you know, give them a chance. And now, but, you know, who knows how they feel? They may want to go down, or from what I hear, they're trying to go down. But um, just fewer changes. Just make your decisions as best you can and stick with it for a little longer, I think. Sounds good to me. I, I'd be on board with that. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up? Or Well, you know, um, I, just, I guess the other thing that would be good is if we got a little bit better uh, – Thanksgiving football, you know. <laughs> Other than the north-south game, yeah. it's not all that appealing. No. I don't know what they're going to do in Manchester. Um, you know, I mean, you guys get to try out the uh, Thanksgiving Eve game this year, uh, not by choice, I, I, I assume. But yeah, and then uh, tr- and Trinity elected not to participate this year. That might have been a good game with Central. So yeah. we've got you know, and again, kudos to West. They want to play it, and they're getting better. Um, so this is not a knock on them, but, you know, I don't think many people are expecting it to be all that much different than last year when those two teams played. Um, so I just, you know, it would be good if we had some meaningful Thanksgiving Day games. I don't know what they are, but, you know, I could I could come up with a couple if I sat down and yeah. thought about it, I'm well, sure. We'll, we'll do maybe, that. We'll maybe do that maybe what if Alvin was playing Campbell tomorrow? That would be exciting. You know? Alvin and Campbell. Um, you know, I know, I know I've chatted with Mike about uh, – you know, his days and experiences with the Sauhegan Merrimack uh, game. I don't know if that's something that's ever been revisited. Um, you know, I heard there was there was a rumor years ago about Trinity and BG playing a Thanksgiving Day game. Um, I don't know if that was actually true or not. Yeah, I, I, I know at one point BG was even talking about going out of state. Yeah. Um, I forget who the opponent was, but sounds like they wanted to bring back Thanksgiving, you know. And how many years was Wyndham looking for a, a Thanksgiving Day game? Well, I don't know why they, I don't know why there couldn't have been a marriage there because Salem was looking for one for many years they too. They played Lawrence for a couple well, years. Well, they did play, they? and then yeah. it got taken away from them. But there you go, you know, Wyndham Salem. Um, you know, I, I don't know. If you can find a better one for either team. That's yeah. you know, Wyndham kids yeah. used to go there and whatnot, and um, so. You know, a little bit better Thanksgiving menu would be make me happy. You know, I like Thanksgiving football. I know a lot of people don't, but um, I, I mean, it's one more one more chance for us to get out and cover a football game. I know I was like that. You and know, if you grew up with the Nashua BG games, where people say, "Well, it doesn't mean anything," well, Nashua BG made it not accounted in the standings, but you aren't going to tell anybody it didn't mean anything. You yeah. know, both both sides just had no like for the other side. You know, and. Um, it wasn't a hard game to get up for. It was well attended. It was a you know social event for the kids coming home from college. It was just, it was terrific. So um, I wish we had something something like that still. Well, he is Roger Brown from uh, New Hampshire Football Report and the Union Leader. Uh, Roger, thanks again for stopping by. Sure, no problem. Yeah, I'm Joe Marchalina from nh-highschoolsports.com. Thanks again for listening and uh, check us out one more final show next week to uh, wrap up the entire football season.